0: Hey guys, this is Paul Richin. You guys are listening to the Road to Detroit podcast.
1: You're on the Road to Detroit, the podcast. Here's your host, Dan Hasty.
2: Yes, yes, the Road to Detroit rolls on down the home stretch of the minor league season. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Nate Wangler is our producer. My name is Dan Hasty. It's another episode of The Road to Detroit. We've got a lot to cover here. We're going to look a lot at the Lakeland Flying Tigers on this episode of Road to Detroit. Big reason why, they're the hottest team in minor league baseball. They've won nine of their last ten games, and they have vaulted themselves into playoff position. They have yet to clinch a spot, but they're dangerously close to getting a surprise trip to the Florida State League playoffs. So we'll talk to one of their newest additions, pitcher Paul Richin. If you remember that name? He was acquired by Detroit from the Chicago Cubs. That was in the Nicholas Castellanos deal back on July 31st. Paul Richin has come back and pitched really well in his last couple of starts, including eight shutout innings in a game on August 22nd. So we'll talk to Paul. Was named the Florida State League Pitcher of the Week. Not a bad week of work. 14 innings, gave up just two runs, Of course he would be in the mix for the FSL Pitcher of the Week. And he gets it, and now he's only been in Lakeland for about four weeks, and now one of those weeks he's been the best pitcher in that entire league. Congratulations to Paul Richin. We'll also talk to the manager of the Lakeland Flying Tigers, Andrew Graham, native of Sydney, Australia, is scheduled to join us coming up here on the road to Detroit. Now, before we get into the on-ramp question that was posed by our producer, Nate Wangler, before this broadcast, Nate had a very important question about hot dogs. So, Nate, if you don't mind... Please indulge me. As you asked before the show
1: started, what was your question? Uh, my question was, how many hot dogs can I eat in a 10-minute span? No, that was not the question. That was not the question? You asked about what the question?
2: difference between two different styles oh, of yeah, hot dogs. Yeah. I love how you asked yourself how many hot dogs you could eat in a 10-minute
1: span. I, I Frankly, I don't know. but but, but He's going to find out soon, by the way. Okay. <laughs> what, what is the difference between a hot dog and a Coney dog? Because I went to Detroit and I tried American Coney. I'm wondering what the fundamental difference is between hot dog and coney dog. The standard bare bones definition being
2: explained? Yes. Okay. You go to a barbecue, you go to a cookout, somebody throws a hot dog in a bun. Don't ask me if it's a sandwich. We don't have that kind of time. You throw ketchup or mustard and you eat it. That's a hot dog. That's a standard American hot dog. Especially if you go to a ball game, it's probably just mustard, not ketchup. That's a different argument. It's funny how hot dogs are so divisive, aren't they? Hot dogs, ketchup, mustard, or just mustard, that's a hot dog. A coney is where you involve chili and onions. You usually don't have ketchup. If you put ketchup on a coney dog, you're some type of demon witch that I don't (laughs) want to talk to. But I would say that when it comes to conies, it's usually your base. It's It's your three ingredients. It's chili, mustard, onions. Same hot dog, different dressing.
1: So it's the same physical hot dog, then? There's no difference in the actual dog itself.
2: Sometimes you get one of those like harder casings. There's a little bit of a snap to it, right? And it depends on which one you go to. You talked about American Coney Island. There's also Lafayette. We can get into a very big debate on that that I don't think we should get into here on this podcast. You have two different kinds. It's a snap more than anything else. Interesting. Interesting. Why?
1: Can't I just put the same toppings on a regular hot dog? Then it becomes a Coney?
2: Just because no, of the topping? it's the toppings that make it a coney. Detroit-style like conies dog. are exactly those toppings. If you put a pickle on a hot dog, now you're more of a Chicago-style hot dog. You can't right. just put a pickle on a hot dog and call it a hot dog. It's a Chicago-style hot dog at that point.
1: By the way, no one puts ketchup on hot Who puts ketchup on hot dogs?
2: Five-year-old kids put ketchup on hot dogs.
1: Exactly. I'm glad we found some even-grown. That's
2: here. the first time on this show. <laughs> All right, no need to get any farther into that. Let's check out who ended up getting a couple of big promotions throughout the Tigers minor league system this week. Of course, the headliner, Willie Castro, promoted from Toledo up to the Detroit Tigers. Congratulations to Willie Castro. Yes, Willie Castro on his way to the show, and in his first game, Couple of base hits, almost hit a home run in his first game in the major leagues, hit a ball off the very top of a very high right field wall at Minnesota's target field. He ended up with two base hits in his major league debut have a feeling we're going to get a long look at Willie Castro playing shortstop the rest of the season in Detroit. So Willie Castro goes up to kind of put a bow on what he did down in Toledo this season. Give you the final numbers and the scope on exactly what Willie Castro did. He finished red hot at the plate. You know, there was some talk about leaving Willie Castro down in the minor leagues for the remainder of this year. But Castro earned a spot in the big leagues. This is turning into one of the strongest trades made in recent years by the Tigers. 22 years old, the number 12 prospect in the Tigers organization, had two base hits in his debut, went one for three in his second ball game, scored a run in each contest against Minnesota, and in Toledo this year, hit over 300, a 301 batting average, a 366 on base. 11 homers, 62 runs batted in in 119 games. This is a kid who can hit from both sides of the plate. He plays well at shortstop. You could probably move him around a little bit. I think he could spend some time at second or third base down the stretch. But based on what we've seen from him, I don't think it's a stretch to think that, at least to me, Willie Castro could very well be the shortstop of the future for the Detroit Tigers. He also stole some bases, 17 stolen bases. So if he can translate those numbers, I mean, the extra base power was exceptional this year. 47 extra base hits in 120 games. I mean, that's at least one extra base hit in every three-game series. That's a really good rate for a guy you want hitting the ball hard. But Willie Castro has done just about everything asked of him in Toledo. There's probably not much left he can accomplish there. It's time he gets the bump, and he gets it to Detroit. Congratulations to Willie Castro. There was one other Tigers minor leaguer to receive a promotion. This one pretty significant because it's the first member of the 2019 Tigers draft class to get promoted to Advanced A. Lakeland. We just talked about these guys. This is a team making a run to the playoffs. They might need some offense. And how about a guy who's hit over 300 at two different levels of the minor leagues, went to West Michigan, he crushed it. Now he's going up to Lakeland. Congratulations to Bryant Packard. He's going up to the Lakeland Flying Tigers. Yes, yes. They actually relocated the Packard plan. It is now in Lakeland, Florida, and Bryant <laughs> Packard has done everything right since being drafted in the fifth round out of East Carolina. He has been exceptional at the plate. Still working on his defense. They made him an outfielder when they drafted him, and he hadn't had a ton of experience in left field, but he's showing a little more comfort as time goes on. He's only played in 36 professional games, but get a load of these numbers combined between three levels 312 average, 404 on base. 16 runs batted in in 36 games, and oh yeah, this is one of those Three true outcome-style players going forward. In just 36 games, he has struck out 35 times, but he's also walked 20 times. I mean, that's a walk every other day. People always say when it comes to evaluating minor league talent, one of the biggest indicators of future success is can you stay in the strike zone? Can you swing at strikes? Do you chase pitches off the plate? If you stay in the strike zone, you have a much better shot of making it up the ladder. You know, last year, and this is just me talking, last year, Terry, Tarek Skubal was a guy who was considered an under-the-radar prospect for the Detroit Tigers. He was in the 20s or so in the top 30. Well, right now, Brian Packard ranks as the number 28 prospect for the Detroit Tigers. I think about a year from now, if we're sitting here talking about the Tigers' farm system, we could be talking about Brian Packard in a very similar way that we were talking about Tarek Skubal this year. Guy who could vault up the prospect list before it's all said and done this year. Getting a promotion to Lakeland before season's end is ultra significant. So, Bryant Packard, who has been nothing but sensational, we just talked to him last week on the road to Detroit. By the way, if you want to go back and really get inside the head of a very advanced hitter, go listen to the conversation from episode 14 with Bryant Packard. Around the 26 minute mark, he gives you an idea of everything that goes into the mental side of baseball. Very much advanced for a kid at just 21 years old, and now he'll finish the season in advance day. He is on the fast track to the Detroit Tigers. A couple more notes before the on-ramp. Congratulations, Baseball America crowned its Detroit Tigers minor league player of the year. They gave that award to Matt Manning. He was tremendous here in 2019. And when you're talking about guys who went from start to finish here in this calendar year, Matt Manning has been impressive from the moment this season started to where we sit here today. The 21-year-old Ryan Ander was the first-rounder of the Tigers back in 2016. The son of the former NBA center Rich Manning is 11-5 this year. ERA is just 2.56. Last time out, gave up three runs in five and two-thirds innings, but he just continually finds swings and misses. 148 strikeouts and 133 innings. This kid's a bulldog, and he has been outstanding here this year. You know, you think about what this Tigers rotation could look like in the future, and there's a lot of people that are in the mix to be a possible number one front-line starter. I think Matt Manning has as good a chance as anybody in this entire system. Still just 21 years old, and he'll just have turned 22 by the time he reports to spring training next season. So Matt Manning, according to Baseball America, the Detroit Tigers minor league player of the year. Let's get on the on-ramp. Check out Connecticut. The Connecticut Tigers, we didn't get a chance to get to them last week. They took three out of five against the Brooklyn Cyclones and they've been playing some pretty good baseball here down the stretch. Currently, Connecticut just four games out of a playoff spot. There's still time if they make a late-season charge, much like the Lakeland Flying Tigers have. Some interesting position players down in Connecticut right now. Nick Quintana, the Tigers' second-round pick, who went to West Michigan and hit just 158 with the Whitecaps this year. They sent him down to Connecticut, and all of a sudden, the numbers have gotten better across the board, but in a couple of key areas. Quintana has raised his batting average over 100 points with Connecticut than he had in West Michigan. He's up to 276 with a 354 on base. That's some good news, but the even better news is that I think the offensive improvement has also picked him up defensively. I know that usually those are not tied into one another, but it's very hard to compartmentalize when you're in a slump. With West Michigan defensively, Nick Quintana committed 16 errors in 39 games. Now with Connecticut 17 games, just one error the numbers have been much better for Nick Quintana playing third base in the New York Penn League. He just might be one of those guys we have to be patient on and let him develop over time. Another player worth watching is catcher Elizier Alfonso, the 19-year-old out of Barcelona, Venezuela, he has been terrific in 2019, was actually a New York Penn League All-Star. In 42 games, Elysia Alfonso is hitting 331. And the thing you don't really appreciate about a lot of offensive players is their ability to put the ball in play. Alfonso is that guy. In 42 games this year, 17 strikeouts for Alfonso. So he has the ability to put bat to ball. He's walked eight times, 17 strikeouts. And he's an all-star switch hitter. So there's a lot to like about him. He's also had a lot of success behind the plate. You know, Brian Pena, the manager in Connecticut, he knows good defensive catchers, and he's been very helpful in the career of Elizier Alfonso. Had him in the Gulf Coast League last year. He's now pulled him over to Connecticut. He's now been underneath the stewardship of Brian Pena for two full seasons running. That kind of continuity really helps a kid like Elizier Alfonso. Last but not least, Jake Holton, a 10th rounder this year out of Creighton. He's been a little bit slow in terms of his batting average at the plate, but here's one thing you love about a good first baseman, the ability to draw walks. 36 walks, just 26 strikeouts for Holton in 49 games. He's almost walked once per game this year. That's a really good clip. So if he continues to put himself in hitter's counts, you can understand the idea that, hey, he'll probably get better pitches to hit. He'll probably make harder contact. So there's room to improve on a 240 batting average. Just one home run, 15 runs batted in, but the pieces are in place for Holton, who's done a nice job since being drafted as a Creighton Blue Jay. There's a look at Connecticut. Let's go over to West Michigan. The Whitecaps are starting to get hot as well. They have won eight of their last 11 games, two out of three against Great Lakes in Midland, Michigan, before they came back home to win back-to-back games against the Fort Wayne Tincaps. Now, Cavs have been playing well. A couple of notes on some key guys going down the stretch of their first season in full season affiliated baseball. Parker Meadows just wrapped up a 10-game hitting streak. Riley Green, he's getting challenged in the Midwest League. It is a lot to ask of an 18-year-old kid to come to full season affiliated baseball, one of the first members of the first round of this year's MLB draft to get to the Midwest League. He was playing high school baseball just three months ago. We talked to him on the last edition of The Road to Detroit, and he's hit just 194 with 12 strikes strikeouts in his last 10, but trust me when I tell you this is a guy that is going to come back to West Michigan next season, and he's going to be Spectacular! He's been too good on every other phase of the game. And when you draft a kid knowing he's the best hitter among all high school players in the major league draft, you just got to be patient with him. He'll figure it out. Very smart kid. Very good family. Riley Green has been a little bit slow in adapting to the Midwest League, but at least he knows what he'll have to deal with when he comes back in 2020. Now over to Lakeland and the focus of this edition of The Road to Detroit. The Lakeland Flying Tigers have really started to pick things up. As of late, they have won nine of their last ten, winning four out of five against a Tampa team that was ahead of them in the standings before that series. And now, after those games have wrapped up, the Lakeland Flying Tigers find themselves ahead of Tampa in the race for a playoff spot in the Florida State League. There's about a week left of ball games. We'll talk to their manager, Andrew Graham, in just a little bit. Lakeland has had double headers in three of their last five days' worth of baseball. If that doesn't scream Florida State League, I don't know what does. At the plate, Brock Dethrich, three for four. He's starting to come into a... Game. That actually startled me right there. That actually made me jump.
1: I don't like doing that. That's scary.
2: <laughs> three for four with an RBI and his seventh home run in the final game against Tampa. He now has 45 stolen bases this year. On the mound, we'll talk about Paul Richen. He was acquired from the Chicago Cubs in the trade for Nicholas Castellanos. Paul Richen has put up two really good starts back-to-back. Six innings of two-run ball with seven strikeouts, then eight scoreless innings in starts on August 16th and August 22nd. We'll talk to Paul coming up later in this edition of The Road to Detroit. But before we chat with Paul, it's important to know what he went through last season because he really got challenged in the Chicago Cubs minor league system. He finished the year in the Northwest League with Eugene, had a 212 ERA in 29 innings, struck out more batters than innings pitched, checked all the boxes after being drafted in the second round last year by the Cubs. Then the Cubs had a decision to make. Send Paul Richen to low Class A, South Bend, Indiana. That would be logically the next step for Paul Richen. Or have him skip South Bend entirely and go to Myrtle Beach or the Carolina League. That's the Class Advanced A affiliate of the Chicago Cubs. Well, Paul Richin went out, had a very good spring training, and all of a sudden the Cubs decided to get aggressive with him. Moved into the Carolina League, and he answered the call again. 10-5, and 5, a 3.97 ERA has put up a couple of good starts since coming over. Over to the Tigers system. The good news for Paul Richin is that he's ending the year on a good note. And for that matter, so is his team. Month of August alone, the Lakeland Flying Tigers are 18 and 7. They have been terrific. Congrats to the Flying Tigers and congrats to Andrew Graham, their manager. We'll talk to him coming up a little bit later in this episode of The Road to Detroit. We'll also talk to Paul Richens. So a lot of Lakeland love this week here on the RTD. Over to Erie. The Seawolves won two out of four against Richmond before dropping three out of four games against Harrisburg. They're in a fight to go to the playoffs with the Bowie Bay Sox. That's the Baltimore Orioles affiliate. Those two are duking it out for first place in the Eastern League's Western Division. And of course, when we talk about Erie, we've got to go through what their rotation did. It's time for that Erie Seawolves rotation lightning round. Tarek Skubel, five and two-thirds innings, two runs, 11 strikeouts. He has struck out 38 batters in his last four games. Joey Wentz, five innings of scoreless ball, struck out seven. Anthony Castro, four innings, one run, four strikeouts. And Matt Manning, the Tigers Minor League Player of the Year, according to Baseball America. Five and two-thirds innings, three runs, six strikeouts. One thing you'll notice is that a lot of those inning counts were really low, and that's by design because the Tigers might see these guys in a playoff series. They want to keep the innings down so they have the ability to throw some of the able bodies they have in an Eastern League playoff series. So save their innings now, and that way you might see them if Erie's lucky enough to advance to the playoffs. To Toledo, the Mudhens took two out of three against Indianapolis before winning a pair on the road against Columbus. You know, all these teams in the full season minor league system are finishing the season strong. So if nothing else, even teams with Poor records. At least those guys are finishing well. And some of the guys you want to see develop are having success. Case in point, Daz Cameron. Hit home runs number six and seven in back-to-back ballgames against Indianapolis. Then he went two for four, double, and a run scored in the Columbus series. As for Jake Robson, Robbie's currently holding a three-game hit streak. Hit his ninth home run of the year against Columbus. So again, the overriding factor here is that all these teams are finishing the season strong. That's a really good sign as we set the table for 2020. That was another edition of the on-ramp. Seems like a good time to talk to Paul Richin, the Tigers' newest acquisition It's part of that trade with the Chicago Cubs. Let's do it. The road to Detroit rolls on. Paul Richin, one of the targets of the Tigers at the trade deadline this year. Tigers traded Nicholas Castellanos to the Chicago Cubs. They got Alex Lang. They also got Paul Richin. 22 year old Ryan Hander out of San Diego has really hit the ground running. And so has his Lakeland Flying Tigers team. This is kind of a Lakeland centric style for the RTD this week. Paul Richin joins us now. This team has gotten red hot as of late. First of all, Paul, congratulations on going over to the Tigers I mean this is an organization that clearly wanted you
0: yeah I really appreciate it I mean I'm excited to be here I know there's a lot of really good opportunities
2: and I'm just ready to get after it take us back to the trade everyone in Detroit knows the side of it when it came to the Tigers trading away Nicholas Castellanos I think there was like what 12 seconds before the deadline so I know you didn't know you kind of figured it out when we all started figuring it out but take us back to the moments leading up and then the moments after
0: well, I was telling my family, you know, obviously knowing that the trade deadline is coming up, I said if there was going to be any trade with the Cubs uh, and the Tigers, I, there's a pretty good chance that I'd be involved with it. Um, just going off the sense that there was a Tigers scout at about five of my previous starts leading up to the trade deadline, and they were probably my best starts of the year. So I kind of figured he – uh had some interest in me and the Tigers had some interest in me. Um, and obviously because I had to chart before and after and I was in the stands, he was also there. So, you know, we kind of had that dialogue back and forth and, you know, those, those standard kind of questionnaire questions just going back and forth. And I didn't hear anything about being traded um, until obviously it happened. And I, I didn't hear about it actually until probably 10 minutes after the trade happened. <laughs>
2: So what would you talk about with the scout in the stands? Clearly you sold him on the mound, but maybe you were able to sell him off the mound.
0: You know, it it was just kind of like your standard conversation. We just talked baseball. Um, He kind of asked what my routine was here and there and what I did in between and how I went about things and then, you know, kind of my game plan on the mound and, and those sort of things, just very generic kind of baseball stuff.
2: You know, it's funny you mentioned the routine. I mean, there are a lot of coaches out there. I always heard a quote from one coach that said, you are your routine. And I've done a little bit of reading on you, seeing how much you prep for hitters when you get ready for a start. Take us through behind the scenes when you get ready to go, because you're pitching once every five, maybe six games, but there's a lot of homework involved.
0: Right. You know, I'll, I'll show up to the field a few hours early. Um, And then I'll I'll meet up with the video guy and he'll be able to pull up charts on um, the computer or laptop or or so be it. Um, And what I specifically look at are uh, like cold and hot zones of the hitters. Um, We'll have the lineup, obviously, before the game starts. So I'll be able to write that down in a notebook and then I kind of build a game plan for each hitter. And I'll have about a couple couple sheets of paper in regards to to the whole lineup and i'll bring it out to the dugout and be able to look you know one to five batters ahead or whatever so be it and be able to go out there with that kind of confidence knowing how to to attack guys
2: you know, knowing you, I'm almost surprised you don't type it up on a computer, then print it off, then bring it to the dugout. But we'll get into that in just a little bit. All right, so now you've been in two different major league, minor league systems. The Chicago Cubs, now over to the Tigers. What are some of the differences you've noticed since coming over?
0: Honestly, they're, they're pretty similar in the sense that we get the same kind of data, or we got the same kind of data with both clubs um, in regards to like slow-mo videos, rap photos, and focusing on spin rates and, and spin efficiency and all sorts of that of, of that nature. With the Tigers, what is different is they will go over that data down to a T and then help you work on making it better. And, and, like, every time I'm on the mound, I'm with Jorge, our, our pitching coach, and every pitch we're working on something different, trying to make it better and better and better. And we didn't necessarily do that with the Cubs. We had that information, but it was kind of up to us to dive into that kind of side of things. But being able to have Jorge and and him being able to translate it to me and what I need to do has been just an extremely helpful um, tool for me, especially going into this end of the season.
2: Do you notice any specific areas of your game that the Tigers are really stressing to you since you got here, as opposed to maybe beforehand?
0: Honestly, I don't think I really changed my my approach on the mound. Um, I guess the the biggest thing was that I would get ahead of hitters, and then they would get like a two strike hit or something like that, where I'd be in the count ahead in the count, and they would get on base. Um, what Jorge has has pushed on me is throwing more quality strikes not just throwing strikes but more quality strikes that would set up the count or or get a batter out quicker or or faster in that kind of sense
2: Total record for you this year, 12-6, and a 390 ERA between Myrtle Beach and Lakeland this year. You know, we always say you can either allow base hits or you can walk people, but you cannot get away with doing both. And you don't walk anybody. 20 walks in 118 innings. Andrew Graham, your manager in Lakeland, mentioned that you're one of the few guys that they actually trust to leave the strike zone to get swings and misses because they know you can get back into the zone when you need to. Where are you on that?
0: I mean, that's always been my game plan from from day one, I guess, starting freshman year of college. Um, My pitching coach trusted me with my ability to command the strike zone. And from then on, it's just been kind of trying to refine that um, in the sense to start throwing more strike-to-ball pitches when I'm ahead in and counts and, and things like that.
2: I thought it was interesting that the Chicago Cubs promoted you up a level going into this season. You were in Eugene last year, it's short season, and then you go from Eugene straight to Myrtle Beach. Some guys don't handle that particularly well. Can you think of a reason you were one of the ones who did?
0: Well, they they told me before going into spring training that if I had a pretty good spring training, that I would have a chance to go straight up to Myrtle Beach. Um, And I kind of took that to heart and, and wanted to get after in spring training. And I don't think I gave up a run in my appearances in spring training. And I was really commanding the zone. I didn't have many walks. And there was very... lot of weak contact when I was pitching and then our uh Darren Madison he called us he called me into the office and just said that he really liked what he's seen and and he thought it was necessary for me to go straight up to Myrtle
2: I'll tell you what weak contact and not walking people yep that's something that'll get you promoted up a level so (laughs) you know you go to a new team you've got a whole lot of new teammates did you already know any of these Lakeland guys before coming into that locker room um,
0: actually, no, I don't. Baseball being a small world, I didn't know anybody in the Tigers organization.
2: The Lakeland Flying Tigers have gotten red hot. Coincidentally, right around the time you got there, 18-7 and 7 here in August. Why have you guys been so successful this month?
0: Uh, we're doing all the small things just right. Like, uh, the hitters are executing really good counts, um, they're, they're bunting, they're moving guys over, they're scoring runners, and then the pitchers aren't walking guys and aren't giving up a lot of hits. And We're just on a hot streak and we don't want to lose it right now, so we just got to keep doing what we've been doing.
2: It sounds a lot like what's going on in Double A as well. Now, did I see right. this? <laughs> did I see this right? Matt Shook of the Detroit News. It does a nice job writing for the minor league side. Did a nice article on you. Did I read that you build computers during your time in the off season? Uh, yes,
0: <laughs> that is correct.
2: How does anybody get into that?
0: Gosh, I think the first computer I built was when I was maybe fifteen or sixteen. Um, me and my brother are really into to video games and things like that. And we got into the computer side of gaming and he wanted to build a gaming computer. And I said, shoot, let's do it. Let's just order the parts and, and get into it. And I was able to build it the day that it showed up. And ever since then, I've just loved it.
2: So are you more into computer gaming or, I mean, is there a PlayStation or is there an Xbox at home? Like, Like which side of the coin do you typically fall on?
0: Uh, I have a PlayStation. That's what I I mostly play games on. I don't really um, play games on the computer. I do more of, like, like, I'll code, like, for video games and stuff like that, and, and I'll uh, build, like, 3D animations
2: and, and stuff like that. What kind of games are we talking here?
0: Uh, on the computer, <laughs> there's this um, kind of community-built um, game. That it was like a, it's like a motorcycle game, pretty much. <laughs> and I played it when I was really young, but it it really got me into the whole uh, coding scene, and and I that's when I started taking uh, computer science classes at University of San Diego.
2: And what are you playing on PS4?
0: Uh, obviously Fortnite, because that's what all the guys play here. So I play with them.
2: Who's the best Fortnite player in that Lakeland locker room?
0: Oh man. uh... I'd honestly probably say Tom DeBlock. block.
2: <laughs> now, if you're big into computers, I'm sure you realize the importance of analytics behind the game. You know, we've heard of guys like Matthew Boyd in Detroit talking about working to improve things like his spin rate. Now, where are you with all of that on that side of the game?
0: Um, I haven't really dived or yeah, I haven't dived into the, um, spin rate sort of things. Um, but analytics in regards to how to attack hitters is what I'm really, really interested in, just because of the command that I have. So I feel like I—that's what I have to worry with, worry about right now to be successful. But obviously, in the off season, that's something I want to dive into and improve my pitches, and um, that'll just give me a better chance next season to, you know, and attack hitters and, and get away with things that. Obviously, I'm not right
2: now. believe they call that playing to your strengths. Paul Richen, the newest Tigers acquisition, part of the Nicholas Castellanos trade, coming over from the Chicago Cubs on July 31st. Thanks for joining us on the road to Detroit. That's good stuff from you. Excited about your year and looking forward to seeing what happens next year, probably in A Erie. No, I
0: really appreciate it. Thank you so much.
2: Time now for best in class. We crown of all the Tigers players in the minor league system. The one that made the most noise this week. We have a couple of pitchers as our winners of BIC. Thought we'd change it up this time to give us our winner of this week's edition of Best in Class, which we don't have very many left of this year. At some point, we might have to do a Best of Best in Class and tally who had the most editions of the BIC week in and week out here on the road to Detroit. So when Nate and I were talking about who would take home this week's Best in Class, we almost ended up with the exact same player because he checked all the same boxes. We said, is your player a pitcher? Yes. Is your player playing for this team? Yes. Is your player left handed? Yes. But it actually was two different players.
1: It just goes to show you how well a couple of guys have been playing up in Double A Erie, Nate. Best in class this week is Tarek Scoobel. Five and two thirds innings, 11 strikeouts, only three hits and two runs. This guy's had three double digit strikeout games in his past four starts consider this 175 strikeouts an average against of just 197 this guy's doing things he's easily one of the top three pitching arms in the entire farm system
2: by the way those 175 strikeouts tops for any tigers minor league pitcher here in 2019 congratulations to tarik he's this week's winner of best in class no this is not a rerun episode from a previous edition of the road to detroit <laughs> The Honorable Mention Award, courtesy of our good friend Dylan Rosa. Joey Wentz takes home Honorable Mention this week. He actually gave Tarek Skubal a real run for his money. Last two times out, five innings apiece. He's given up just two total runs, and he hasn't walked anybody. That was a big question about Joey Wentz when he came over from the Atlanta Braves in the Shane Green trade. How would his command look well, after walking 45 batters in 103 innings with the A affiliate for Atlanta, just two walks in 15 innings on the mound. And, oh, yeah, he has struck out well over a batter per inning, 22 strikeouts in those 15 frames. Really good year by Mark Johnson, the pitching coach out in A Erie. He has had a lot of talent to work with, but not only that, he's getting the most out of that talent, which is always the most important thing. Joey Wentz, our honorable mention this week, I don't think we're making a big enough deal about the finish this year for Joey Wentz. He has really just turned himself into a rock-solid option in that Erie Seawolves pitching rotation. And with them possibly looking at a playoff run, Joey Wentz will give them everything that they may not have in having guys like Alex Fiedo and Casey Mize potentially not available the rest of the season. Certainly in Casey Mize's case, potentially in Alex Fiedo's. So congratulations to Tarek Skoobel. He's this week's best in class. Congratulations to Joey Wenz. First time I believe we've talked about Joey in a best in class segment. That's a look at the BIC here on the RTD. The Lakeland Flying Tigers are arguably the hottest team in the entire Tigers minor league organization. Here in the month of August, 18-7. and 7, the Flaggers, if you will, have won nine of their last ten games. Their manager, Andrew Graham, is now joining us here on the road to Detroit. Graham, good to talk to you. Talk about getting hot at the right time.
3: Yeah, we got uh, we're playing well right now. Um, it's the right time to get hot. I mean, um, it's it's something. It's kind of crazy over the career of me managing. Uh, the last August is normally when the team gets going. I don't know if it's because. Uh, we finally buy into how to play the game or we're rested well. But, um, you know, I've had a lot of August where I've had decent records. And uh, it's just a great time to play good baseball. The guys are playing extremely well and hard. I mean, we had uh, three doubleheaders the last five days. And um, we took uh, all three doubleheaders we swept. So, um, you know, hot conditions yesterday. We started uh, two of the doubleheaders started. At noon. It was 97 degrees, felt like 103, and uh, the guys just played with a lot of heart and um, came through and won them all.
2: Three double headers in five games. I believe that's called the Florida State League Special, is it not? I mean, that's something that yeah. you've seen a lot of. Now you're in your second year managing in Lakeland. You had a couple of years ago you were in Lakeland as well. But was there kind of a game or a moment within one of these games of late that kind of got the ball rolling for you guys? Because you guys have been as hot as any team in not only Class A, but all of minor league baseball. You
3: know, there was an uh, instance uh, a while ago where uh, – you know, we, we we came back with a big home run and uh, another team decided to throw at one of our guys. Uh, it wasn't intentionally, I'm not sure, but it kind of fired up the guys and uh, since then we've been on a roll. So I think, uh, you know, they, they poked the bear and they woke us up and um, the boys want to actually really get after it. They've, obviously, the talk has been going to the championship since day one. No matter what our record was, that's why I always push these guys to play like a championship team to develop and win and uh Right now we're playing like a, a team that could make it to the playoffs and hopefully contend for a championship.
2: You know, it's funny. Whenever somebody gets thrown at or anything like that, it kind of gets everybody riled up. Another thing that happens to do that is when managers get ejected. And I'm curious. Now, is that a thing for managers? Because I know some guys want to go out and rile up the troops. But have you ever gotten ejected for that purpose?
3: Um, I can't say I've ever got ejected just to get the guys you know, riled up and get excited or get more into the game. But um, I feel like, obviously, we are, we are high by the Detroit Tigers to stay in the games and manage the games. But there are times where you're pushed to a limit where you have to have the back of your players or just for the protection of your players. So, uh, you know, obviously that happened the other week when they threw, I uh, did get ejected. But um, it was more just for the safety of the game because the umpires hadn't given any issues and they hit four of our guys already. So I just wanted to make sure that they stopped. And uh, it did. And we came out with a win. But uh, I've never gone out there and just got ejected just to get the guys going because um, I think that's a waste. I want to be on the field to manage these guys and help them win. But, you know, if I feel like i have really going to have the players back, then, yeah, if I have to go, I have to go.
2: But between us, there are some managers and other organizations that get thrown out just to rile up the guys, right?
3: Yeah, I've seen it before. I've heard it before. (laughs) I've heard I've seen a manager go out there, and I could hear what he was saying, but he wasn't even, you know, just telling him, hey, just eject me because I want to get my team going. But he said it a little too loud, and I could hear what he was saying, and I was a third-base coach.
2: so. They got too many microphones in the major leagues. They're going to hear that stuff if they try that at the big league level. All right. Yeah, that won't work. So I know you've got 25 guys in that dugout, but is there a guy or two that maybe you want to give a shout out to as being a reason that you guys have gotten as hot as you have right here at season's end? You
3: know, right at the end here, we've had a, a couple of guys that really stepped up. Um, uh, you know, when they came here, from West Michigan. Um, uh Reece Hampton really wasn't doing too much. He was always playing good defense, but he was kind of passive with the bat, swinging at bad pitches and not really putting up much production. But lately, he's been a very tough out, taking his walks when he can get them, hitting big doubles for us. Uh, he hit a couple of big hits yesterday to get the rally started for us to take the lead when the Yankees had already, you know, enough in innings and stuff like that. But He's done a great job these last three weeks, I'd say. Um, John Valente has been a solid bat. He's now hitting over 300. Uh, he's picked up his average probably 70 points here in the last month. Uh, obviously, he's got limited ABs, so that's easy to do. But uh, Brock Dethridge is another one. He's, a, he's, a, he's the table set of the leadoff. Obviously, great speed. I think he collected his 45th stolen base yesterday. Um, but when he gets on, it's, uh, you know, within the next two, three pitches, he's normally standing on second base, and then, our guys do a great job of getting him over, and then he goes on contact or scores on a sack fly, and we're up 1 nothing in the first inning. And, uh, you know, kind of relax a little bit more than being, you know, not scoring in the first inning. But, I mean, yesterday, his speed, yesterday he scored on a sack fly that just got off the back of the cutoff for the dirt in the infield. So, uh, it's crazy.
2: Johnny Valenti, that's a ball player. I'm glad you mentioned Brock. Did we see Reese Hampton hit a little league home run the other day? A bunt <laughs> home run. How much fun was that to watch from third base?
3: Yeah, it was. I mean, uh, so he went for a base hit bunt to uh, you know push bunt to second base. Pitcher, uh, sorry, kind of uh, deadened it too much. Catcher picked it up, too off balance. I mean, the catcher had it, um, threw it as hard as he could down the right field line. Right fielder was uh, Blade, the first round pick. Um, For the uh, Miami Marlins out of Vanderbilt. And he kind of tried to play it off the fence, but it didn't kick off the wall, sorry. It didn't kick off the wall, and it just kind of hugged the wall and rolled all the way into the right-field corner, which at uh, Joker Marchant Stadium, where where our field is, is kind of like a death trap. The ball just gets lost in there. And, uh, yeah, I was pretty aggressive with sending him, but I saw that they overthrew the cutoff guy, so um, he made it in there pretty easily. It It was exciting. It was a good way to get on the board.
2: So Two guys you had on your roster to begin this season were Casey Mize and Tarek Skubal. I'm sure yeah. you had a wow moment with each of these guys. Kind of a moment that it hit you oh, these guys are big leaguers. Do you remember when you had that epiphany with either of them? Because if anybody had it maybe before most people, especially with Tarek, it was probably somebody like you and of course your pitching coach in Jorge Cordova.
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously we wouldn't use Mize being 1-1 one, one, but- a, a great pitcher and he is and he will be um, he came out, did his thing to me, you know, Casey's got a four pitch mix, great, good solid command um, keeps guys gassing, never pitches the same way to a, you know, throughout the lineups but Scoobal just opened our eyes with explosive stuff um, you know, early on he battled some command issues with the heat and gripping of the baseball and sweating so much but once he worked that out he was just lights out and Strikeout presence, um, explosive fastball, good curveball, good changeup. But between the two of them, we've got some future there for the Detroit Tigers. It's a, it's, I mean, Casey you know, could, could be a number one, and Scooby could be up to a number two or three, depending how they keep developing and stay healthy. But uh, we've got some special arm, a right-hander coming, and a special left-hand pitcher starting coming for the Detroit Tigers in the future.
2: I want to give you a chance to wax poetic about your pitching coach because Jorge Cordova has been turning water into wine for a while now. What makes him so effective?
3: You know what? He does an amazing job. Um, he engages with the guys. He works hard with them. Um, every side, he's doing something specific to get them better. Watches a lot of video. Breaks down the numbers for the track man and all the rap of numbers. And um, you know, he'll he'll move them around on the rubber. He will talk to them and, and just try to to look at the numbers uh, from the Rapsoda to compare the vertical break, the horizontal break, the, the, the movement, the velocity ratio difference, all that kind of stuff during every side. So besides not just to get these guys ready for the next start or to get these guys fresh to go pitch in the bullpen, it's, it's it's with a purpose, it's with a plan to develop these arms to get them better. And Yeah, I mean, we got De Jesus here who um, is doing angel. De Jesus is doing a great job for us now, but he didn't really have a changeup and he's developed this um, amazing changeup, which he strikes out guys with, um, on the normal. And, uh, he's been, a, he's been a great late inning guy for us when we
2: need him to be able to add a pitch like that late season. I mean, to make it as plus as Jesus yeah. has, he's really turned into a nice piece for you guys. Now, yeah. o- offensively, you just graduated Cody Clemens to Erie with the promotion. What yep. made Cody ready for that jump?
0: Um, you
3: know, of the numbers, you look at his numbers and you wouldn't say he was ready, but uh, he squares up the ball consistently. Uh, he, was, he had some bad luck hitting into the shifts. Uh, he's a bit, bit of too pull happy at times, so that you know, second baseman's playing a shallow right field, short stops on the right hand side of the base. But he ha- has a good approach to the plate and he squares up the ball a lot. Obviously, um, he was just the guy to go. He was we didn't really have any other options and, and Cody was hot at that stage and he's swinging the bat really well over the past week, so it was time to go, and he's been doing a great job for the uh, Erie Seawalls since he went up there. So it's good to see these guys move up. I mean, it's his first full season, and he's finishing the season in double-A.
2: We're talking to Andrew Graham, the manager of the Lakeland Flying Tigers. You know, talk to me about the Florida State League. People say it's a hard league to have success in. We've seen a lot of guys go to Erie, put up better numbers, especially last year. Guys like Isaac Paredes did it, Daz Cameron did it when you were managing in Double A. What's your take on that? And what are some of the keys to success in that Florida State League?
3: You know, it's um, there's a lot of issues, a lot of factors that come into the Florida State League. A lot of these ballparks are big ballparks, um, especially Owls. Jupiter, where the Marlins and the um, Cardinals play. Big ballparks, which turn, you know, deep fly balls or home runs, what would be into uh, just pop-ups to the outfield or deep fly balls. Uh, The heat, every day, the grind of the heat. uh, Humidity, rain delays, no fans. um, You know, there's a lot of things. These guys have to really motivate themselves to play in this heat with no, uh, no really loud cheering from anybody. You know, we have crowds of, at our place, crowds of... 100 and 800 a night so um, there's a lot of factors there but you know you just got to keep on the guys and, and the other the other team have to play through it first and you know, keep reminding them hey put up some good numbers and, and keep moving up you know you've got good fans up in the Detroit Tigers uh, obviously Toledo and Erie get some nice, nice numbers of fans so keep working keep grinding and uh, get out of Lakeland that's the goal so that's to move you guys up the chain so stay positive and keep grinding
2: Andrew Graham who got his five hundredth win as a manager last month. One thing I know that's different about the person is that you and your wife gave birth to your first child a little over a year ago now. Is it a baby? that's a baby girl, Harlow? And first of all, update us on Harlow and is managing that anything like managing the twenty five guys in your dugout?
3: It's it's uh, yeah, she's nearly two years old here coming up in two weeks. Um, she runs the household as any little young girls do but um it's been amazing it's opened my eyes it's made me a lot more patient um yeah having kids will change anyone's life i believe and uh it's, it's a blessing but you know um, i think i think managing uh, 25 kids especially at the younger levels helps you with parenthood um helps you be patient helps you understand you can't control every situation you got to be patient and just um stress over the things that you can control not the things you can't control but uh Yeah, she's doing well. She's a happy girl. And um, at the end of the season, we'll uh, look forward to celebrating her second
2: birthday. Andrew Graham, no stranger to postseason success, having won a Midwest League championship with West Michigan back in 2015. Good to catch up. Appreciate the time. The native of Sydney, Australia, best to you and Gwen. And go get him in the playoffs if we're lucky enough to get Lakeland in.
3: I appreciate it, Danny. Thank you.
2: Let's take a look at the road ahead. We'll check up on everything the Tigers minor league affiliates have to look forward to this week. West Michigan hits the road to finish their season. Three in Lansing. They'll be in the state capitol taking on the Lansing Lugnuts before three in Dayton against the Dragons. Over to Lakeland, they finish up a three game set on the road at Clearwater. Those are all of a sudden some pretty important games because Lakeland has a chance to sneak in to the Florida State League playoffs. You know, this whole time here on the road to Detroit, we've been talking about. Erie as a potential Eastern League playoff team, and Lakeland really wasn't in the playoff mix. But all of a sudden, the Flying Tigers went 18-7 in August, and they've gotten themselves into the playoff picture. So not only Erie, but potentially Lakeland to make a run in the postseason as well. Speaking of Erie, the Seawolves finish up a four-game series against Richmond before hitting the road to face Akron in four. They need to win their division to get into the playoffs. They have a lead in their division, but it is a very slim lead over the Bowie Bay Sox. To Toledo, the Mud Hens play a pair of two-game series to finish off the year. They face Louisville, then Columbus, then that's the end of the road for the Toledo Mudhens. Here's a look at the on-ramp. Last but not least on this episode of the RTD, don't forget to click that subscribe button. We'd love to bring you many more editions of The Road to Detroit, and a big way you can help ensure that is by clicking that subscribe button. Look, a lot of shows out there talk about these players. We talk to these players. That's the advantage of the road to Detroit. Click subscribe. Make sure you're part of the road to Detroit for everything that comes up on the horizon here on the RTD. And don't forget, you can also follow the Tigers minor league player development at Road to Detroit. You can follow me as well at That Dan Hasty. Coming up on the next edition of the RTD, we'll hand out our awards. Much like Michael Scott of The Office gave out the Dundies, the Road to Detroit is giving out the Roadies. I don't know if Dwight Schrute will be there to play his recorder. We'll talk about some of the best and brightest of this year's edition of the Tigers minor league system. We'll also crown our best in best in class the very best of the Tigers' minor leaguers, according to the RTD. That's coming up next week. We'll also potentially do our last edition of The Mailbag, and we'll wrap up what's been a really fun year here at The Road to Detroit. Might have to air a couple of bloopers as well. So much more to come next week. Can't wait to talk to you then for this edition of The Road to Detroit and our producer, Nate Wangler. My name is Dan Hasty. Until next week. See ya!